Welcome everyone to the Understanding Climate Finance podcast. My name is Fahim Nurali, Climate Finance Trade Commissioner out of the Embassy of Canada in Washington, D.C. Uh, today we have a really special episode because my colleague Rachel Suarez from the Embassy of Canada in the U.K. will be leading the interview with Vincent Steinhauer from the EBRD. I don't want to speak too much because I really want the conversation to focus on them, but I'm really excited that you get to listen to the perspectives from EBRD when it comes to climate finance. So over to you, Rachel. Thanks so much, Fahim. It's great to be here. Um, as Fahim mentioned, my name is Rachel Suarez. I'm, I'm also a trade commissioner based uh, in London in the UK. And um, yes, very excited to be interviewing um, Vincent Deinhauer from the European Bank for Reconstruction and Development today. So Vincent is an associate director with the Green Economy and Climate Action team of EBRD. Within the team, he leads the country engagement unit, which focuses on supporting the EBRD's countries of operations in further greening their economies. He has over 15 years experience in developing green financial products and policy reform engagements with a particular focus on the post-Soviet countries. Before joining the EBRD, um, he worked for a business consulting firm in Moscow where he was involved in a number of energy efficiency projects. And he holds a master's degree in modern history from the University of Leiden in, New in the Netherlands and a master's degree in international political economy from the University of Warwick in the UK. So we're very, very pleased to have you um, with us today, Vincent, and thank you so much again for taking the time to join us. Um, just to kind of set the, the ground, um, previous episodes of this podcast have focused on IFIs and investors that are based in North America. Um, they typically have uh, a geographic focus of Latin America and the Caribbean. So as a result, many of our listeners may not be familiar with IFIs that are based in or focused on Europe. Would you be able to provide us with a little bit of background on the EBRD, you know, why it was developed, why it exists, what the bank's objectives are? Certainly, Rachel Fahim. Thank you so much for uh, inviting me to this podcast. I'm really excited to be with you today uh, and share some insights. Thank you also for the kind introduction. Um, so to answer your question, Rachel, giving a bit of big background about the European Bank for Reconstruction and Development, Indeed, it's it's a bit of a special animal in the in the group of uh, MDBs. So the EBRD was set up in 1991 uh, to assist Eastern European and um, Central European countries in making a transition to a, a democratic market economy following the fall of the uh, uh, the end of the Cold War. So in that sense, uh, it has always had, as a bank, we've always had a focus on supporting private sector development, which probably sets us aside a bit compared to some of the other MDBs that uh, may focus a bit more on the public sector, like the World Bank and the uh, Asian Development Bank. So how, we, how do we define transition to this market economy? We really, take, uh, we really feel that six key characters or, 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 or elements are important in supporting our countries and making this transition. So first of all, we feel a well-functioning market economy should be competitive. It should be inclusive. It should be well-governed. It should be resilient and integrated, but it should be also green. Uh, and it's this green element really what is uh, sort of the focus of my, uh, my work with the Green Economy and Climate uh, Action Team. Uh, and it's my duty to ensure that uh, the, the projects and the finance we do uh, are aligned with this uh, with this concept of a 
a green democratic uh, market economy. So that's a bit the the background of our of our of our institution and 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 our mandate. Great, thank you so much, Vincent. Uh, that's very helpful, and I think having the private sector angle and and explaining that um that that's the focus of ebrd um it should be helpful for our listeners and then of course the green element to your work and to the bank's focus is something that we'll probably look to explore um throughout this uh this discussion so just to kind of um delve into a little bit more about what the ebrd focuses on would you be able to explain the sectors that you're specifically looking at and maybe just to uh, expand a bit more on the geographies of focus certainly thank you well we cover a very wide range of, of sectors uh, ranging really from uh, the agri business sector to manufacturing services which is the the industry the the heavy and the, and the manufacturing industries property and tourism telecommunications, but also natural resources, financial institutions, municipal and environmental infrastructure, transport, power, energy, uh, and equity funds. So it's, it's, it's a quite broad range of, uh, of sectors that we, that we uh, engage on. In terms of our geographies, uh, as I mentioned, originally the EBRD was focused on Central and Eastern Europe. Uh, but in the meantime, we've extended our activities to Central Asia and what we call the uh, Southern Mediterranean uh, region. So at the moment, we're covering 38 uh, economies in that in that region. Perfect. Thank you. Um, and I think that helps to sort of lay the groundwork when it comes to how EBRD is different itself from some of the other MDBs, as you've mentioned, um, that have previously been on this podcast. I think it's also important that to note that EBRD isn't just focused on Europe. Um, and I think that's uh, something that uh, listeners probably need to take away as well. Um, when you mentioned the, the different sort of sectors that you focus on being, um, and you being part of the green um, uh, and climate change focused team, I think we could probably look to explore that area a little bit more. And uh, I'm specifically thinking of about a year ago when the EBRD announced its intentions to become a majority green bank by 2025 with the plans to scale up climate environmental finance. And given this is a, a climate finance focused podcast, I think it would be really interesting for our listeners um, to better understand uh, what that means for EBRD and what that means for um, you uh, as a bank and um, for your clients as well. Um, so how does EBRD actually plan to become a majority green bank? Yes, it's a, it's a very, very good question. Uh, I think the short answer, it, it, it will involve a lot of work and exciting times ahead, certainly for, for, for me and the team and, and the bank as a whole. But to answer maybe your, your question a bit more concretely, I'd like to maybe note three elements. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, you know the the goal is to become a, a majority green bank, and of course we are a bank, so the focus is still on providing finance. So in essence, the first element of this engagement is to substantially scale up uh, what we call our climate or green investments, uh, in particular in those sectors uh, that are hard to decarbonize, uh, in particular the uh, energy intensive industries, but also transport. So by 2025, we've indeed committed that over half of our investments uh, that we do on an annual basis will be green. But luckily, uh, you know, we're not starting from scratch. We're building on a very strong track record. So just to give you a, a bit of a sense, 
since 2006, when we launched our first green initiative, uh, we've provided over 2,000 uh, climate investment projects, accounting uh, for over 38 billion euros. So, you know, we have a basis to work off, but certainly, you know, it's something that we need to uh, uh, increase quite substantially to meet this target uh, that we've set ourselves. I think secondly, um, apart from finance, what we've seen is that there's also a very important uh, element of, of policy reform. So without putting in place the required policy to support these green investments, uh, we'll struggle and our countries will struggle to decarbonize their economies. So in that sense, uh, as part of this, uh, this strategy, we've also committed ourselves to further increase and enhance our engagement on, on policy reform and making sure that we put in place the right uh, policies and strategies in our in our countries and a particular area of focus going forward will be supporting our countries to put in place uh, economy-wide uh, decarbonization strategies like the national determinant contributions or the long-term strategies that each party to the Paris agreement needs to develop but also working with municipalities and corporate clients to help them put in place uh, long-term decarbonization strategies for cities and and, and companies so that's certainly the, the second element, the policy element is, is, is I would say, the, the second part of, of, of this engagement, this commitment that we've taken upon ourselves. And I think the third element is that you know, we also need to ensure as EBRD that we align our activities, uh, both our investments and our internal activities with the objectives of the Paris Agreement. Uh, and in that sense, we are working with other multilateral development banks uh, to develop a methodology to achieve this uh, commitment. Uh, and we expect a decision uh, for the bank to become fully Paris aligned uh, to be taken uh, at the annual meeting uh, later uh, this month, which would entail that uh, the EBRD would become for, uh, fully Paris aligned by the end of 2022. Thank you very much. Um, appreciate that response. And I think maybe just for the listeners um, benefit, if we could provide a bit more details on the the three programs that you've mentioned and and how maybe um, you know companies or technologies uh, can look to potentially engage with these types of programs um, as EBRD is running them um, with your clients. Yes, certainly. Yeah, we have. I mean, we have a number of of programs running uh, in our in our region, and I'll I'll mention maybe a couple examples. Indeed, the uh, also in, due to time constraints and uh, etc. But to, to mention maybe one one sort of flagship program which focuses on the municipal infrastructure, which I said is one key element of our engagement. Uh, it's worthwhile mentioning our Green Cities program, uh, which is a three point three uh, billion euros program that we that we launched uh, to support cities in developing uh, the long term uh, strategies to identify, prioritize uh, environmental investments that uh, cities need to make to, uh, you know, to green uh, uh, cities, but also to uh, put in place the required policy to support these, uh, these investments. So this is, this is a key area we've been working on for a number of years now. Uh, to date, we've provided up to around 800 million euros of, of finance to uh, these type of investments in, in 49 cities in our region. Uh, so we have a, a wide range of uh, cities participating, uh, Tirana in Albania to uh, to Ulaanbaatar in Mongolia. So it's it's you know it's a w wide wide sort of uh, range of, of of cities that are participating. And we're very pleased uh, that this has been going so well, and and 
and our ambition is to further increase this program uh, by uh, by eventually hopefully having 100 cities participate in this program so that's that's maybe one one program i can mention um, the second program uh, which focuses more on our work with uh, small and medium-sized enterprises which is also a key area of our engagement what is called our uh, green economy financing facilities so these are dedicated facilities that we provide to partner financial institutions in our in our region for on lending for green projects uh, with SMEs both in, in industry but also for example uh, on energy efficiency in the residential sector and small-scale uh, renewables so to date around 150 partner financial institutions have participated in this program and we've provided uh, around 5 billion euros for 200,000 investments uh, in that area and for us it's a key uh, you know way of channeling uh, and addressing energy efficiency and green investments uh, especially with with clients that are typically too small for us to work with uh, directly and maybe the final example uh, of a program uh, that I'd like to mention is our is our program focusing again on the larger corporate clients uh, called fintech. Uh, this is again a regional program through which we provide investment uh, investments or, or finance uh, and also some 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 grants and technical assistance for best available climate technologies in in the corporate uh, sector. In terms of how Canadian companies can can work with uh, with us as EBRD, as you mentioned, Rachel, we you know you're, we are called the European Bank for Reconstruction and Development, but certainly we both have uh, have uh, shareholders that uh, are not European, and Canada is one of them. But we also have certainly many clients that are not European, uh, so we're very keen to to work with uh, with Canadian uh, clients on this sort of this important uh, agenda. And I'd probably mention two, two ways uh, how Canadian companies can work with us. I think, first of all, uh, we're very keen to provide finance to Canadian companies that want to invest in projects in our region. Uh, and we offer quite a wide range of financial products uh, to our clients. So this can range from, from providing debt to equity, guarantees, uh, you know, different loan amounts, currency, maturity. I mean, it really depends on the specific needs of the of the client, but also obviously the market conditions, because uh, you know we do, as a development bank, need to ensure that we don't undercut the market, right? Uh, in terms of loan amounts, this can range from as small as one million dollars to you know to three hundred million dollars. That so can be very very small to very big. And for green projects, we also support uh, technical assist. We also provide technical assistance provided through uh, consultants that can help scope out uh, you know a green project and finally as i mentioned we also use donor funding to provide uh, more concessional funding for uh, specific cases where we feel there is a, a need to provide this type of a more concessional finance so that's maybe the first part you know uh, have working with canadian clients providing finance to them i think secondly we're also very keen to work with canadian companies in terms of uh, Canadian companies that can supply goods for EBRD projects. So, particularly for the EBR project, EBRD projects in the public sector, we have open procurement through which Canadian companies can participate. For example, in tenders for providing uh, uh, equipment for, uh, for example, district heating project. Uh, but also, we have a dedicate. We have a, we have a, the possibility for Canadian companies to participate as consultants uh, to, uh, for us. So, providing consulting services to to us 
and we have an open, uh, dedicated online platform for procuring goods and, and services. So, you know, if there's any interest among your uh, your listeners to participate, I can uh, or to in in those auctions or in those procurement, I would certainly advise them to sign up for uh, for specific alerts that this uh, platform has. And maybe finally, just to mention that in fact we have a we have an EBRD office uh, not in Canada but in Washington DC, uh, and this this office is really you know aimed at supporting. Uh, our work with North and uh, North American uh, companies and service providers. So uh, that's maybe a bit bit closer to home than uh, than London. So may help in that uh, in that respect as well. Great. I, I think that's really really helpful is to understand the different approaches that you can take when it comes to working with with EBRD, but then also understanding the access points and uh, certainly the likes of myself and Fahim as well. We we work quite closely with. Um, a lot of individuals, uh, so for myself in EBRD um, and Fahim with other MDBs and, and are, are there to, to help uh, uh, Canadian companies and, and those listening to this podcast uh, to, to hopefully connect with the right people in the bank when, yeah, as we've gone through it, it, it can be a bit uh, confusing when you're not uh, familiar with the structures of it in the first place. But hopefully just this this brief overview will have provided a, um, a bit more of insight into how EBRD works. And certainly it's given a good taster for the types of green programs and the ambition that EBRD has when it comes to becoming a green bank, um, which I think is very, very commendable. Um, and so just to, to finish off, um, I think with COP26 coming up and uh, with that uh, you know, a great deal of focus being on climate finance. Is there anything that EBRD is planning in anticipation of COP26? It is, you know, technically in in your backyard, uh, given uh, it's taking place in Glasgow and EBRD is headquartered in, in London, or is this sort of confidential information and announcements will come later on down the line and we can just sit tight and wait and see? Well, I mean, I can give a bit of a taste. I think it, it to start maybe by saying indeed, indeed, it is in the back uh, backyard of the EBRD. I think probably the the tricky bit about sort of saying what we'll do exactly is also related to the the COVID situation, right? So typically, we would or organize a lot of face to face side events during the COP, either ourselves or or, or with you know partner multilateral development banks or, or countries. But this is a still a bit up in the air because the format of the COP is, is still to be fully fully finalized, right? So um, I think in that extent, we do have some ideas in terms of what, what we do want to organize, uh, but we'll have to see how the COVID situation uh, develops. We are also uh, planning to make some announcements in terms of our, our engagement on the, on, on, on the issue of climate investments and, and policy. Uh, we are discussing with uh, other multilateral development banks, you know, whether we can, uh, you know, announce some joint positions or communications during the COP. Uh, but I think it's it's probably a bit too early to go into too much uh, detail. So uh, I guess uh, you're just going to have to hang tight and, and hopefully uh, there'll be some exciting announcements uh, to be made uh, uh, by the time of the COP. Uh, but also, as I said, we have an annual meeting uh, later in, in, in June and... Um, uh, I anticipate also some announcements there. So uh, depending on when this podcast will air, uh, you know, you may have already heard uh, some of the announcements that we'll make as EBRD. Great. Well, thank you so much, Vincent. I think this has provided a good, just a, a good sort of um, 
opportunity for, for our listeners to, to better understand how climate finance is growing um, and how potentially from a business opportunity point of view, they may be able to, to participate um, a little bit more in, in the work that uh, EBRD is doing. So thank you again. I very much appreciate your time. And uh, hopefully we'll have a few more European focused um, episodes coming on later down the line as well. Thanks again, Vincent. My pleasure, Rachel. Glad to have joined. And uh, yeah, looking forward to hearing uh, further episodes on this uh, very important topic. Thank you. Thank you both, uh, Rachel and Vincent. This was really quite informative. And I encourage all of our listeners, our particular Canadian clients, to reach out to myself and to Rachel as you are looking to work with EBRD. So please feel free to share this episode with others and rate the episode on your podcast platform. So until next time, thank you very much. And thank you again to Rachel and Vincent.